You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Tuesday, November the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkle, with you here as always, and I am, of course, here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show. You guys know the drill by now, the Tuesday show. We dive into the stats from Sunday's loss to the Oakland Raiders, and we'll jump into the midseason stats as well and take an inventory of where the Dolphins are from a statistical standpoint in 2017 and also we take inventory of this team as a whole at the midway point and kind of assess things going forward and where this team will be next year as well as at the end of 2017 but first I want to tell you guys about profootballfocus.com and you guys know by now you can enter for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription by going into the iTunes or Apple Podcast, whatever you call it these days, and leaving a review on this podcast, and leave your Twitter handle on that review for a chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription of $40 value from ProFootballFocus.com, the premier website when it comes to positional rankings, snap counts, player grades across the entire landscape of the NFL, as well as the individual Miami Dolphins team page too. You can check out at PFF underscore Miami for the PFF Miami page there. They have tons of great tweets every single day on Sunday as well. And of course, for you fantasy guys, they have fantasy rankings, projections, tools, and charts. And for you draft guys, college stats and draft projections and all that stuff too. So profootballfocus.com, enter today for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription. And let's get right into the meat of today's show, guys, and talk about the stats from Sunday's game against the Oakland Raiders. Dolphins fall 27 to 24, breaking the 12 game streak of wins in one score football games. Of course, they get the backdoor score late to cover the spread there at the end, as well as ruin that streak by doing so as well and failing to get the onside kick. So in this game, I think my favorite stats were the ones from the running backs. Of course, Jay Ajayi ceremoniously traded away to the Philadelphia Eagles earlier in the week, and the Dolphins roll out Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams. And Kenyon Drake gets off to a slow start with the fumble, but he bounces back very nicely, ends the day with 104 scrimmage yards. He, he has six re- or six receptions on six targets, as did Damian Williams. So the two backs combined go 12 targets, 12 catches, and they combined for 165 yards from scrimmage on the day. So a very productive day for the running backs. Jay Cutler has a very productive day as well, throwing for 300 yards and three touchdown passes in the game. Still not enough to get Miami to a victory, even though the offensive line surrendered just one sack on the day as well. And you guys know the story of this game was the penalties really killed the Dolphins. I mentioned on Twitter, Dolphins had four penalties that negated first down plays, including a 31-yard play of Damian Williams called back on a suspect Jarvis Landry holding call. And there's also a great thread on Twitter. I forget the Twitter handle, but I retweeted it today. There's a thread about all these formational procedural calls that could have been made against the Oakland Raiders for the same exact call made on Jawan James, where he is lined up basically as a little bit of an arc on that right side of the offensive line. And the Raiders are in that same exact look multiple times. The refs don't call it at all. So there might have been a bit of a bias in this game in terms of officiating, but let's not get into that too much. Let's just talk about the stats from this game. The Dolphins' highest win probability in this game was at 68%, and that was right before the Kenyon Drake fumble. They were up 6-3 to three and driving the ball into the red zone, so a 68% chance to win the game at that point. And then, of course, with that fumble, the win probability drops down to just 53%. So a big drop on that play. Obviously, it was a big momentum swinging play in the game from Kenyon Drake. But the big part of the game for the defense, at least, was the third down conversions. I mentioned it in yesterday's podcast as well. The Raiders go 8 for 15. Dolphins go 5 for 12 on the day. The penalties were insane in this game. The Dolphins had 11 for 107 yards. Raiders had 10 for 105. Turnovers, Raiders had 2. Miami had 1. 
And from the yardage standpoint, pretty even game. Dolphins go for 395 yards. Raiders go for 375 yards. So a pretty even game from that standpoint. Quarterbacks were pretty much in lockstep throughout the course of the game. Jay Cutler and Derek Carr both had nice days from a statistical standpoint. Jay Cutler's passer rating, 121.3, by far his best on the year. I mentioned the 311 yards. mentioned the three touchdowns. Goes 34 for 42. So a great day from Jay. He looked very impressive. I want to see the film before I get too into the, the breakdowns. I want to see what happened on some of those drives towards the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, when the Dolphins had a chance to really come back into the game and get a lead there and couldn't do it. Also, there was a play where he scrambled around and made a very nice pass on a big completion to, I think it was Jarvis Landry. I can't recall who the receiver was, but he I think he might have had a, a look downfield. I'll get a look at that on the film tomorrow, but let's go back into the stats here a little more and talk about these running backs. Kenyon Drake had that 42-yard run, which is double J.H.I.'s long run on the year with the Dolphins. So he had a very impressive debut as a starter, or quasi-starter with Damian Williams. I mentioned they both caught six out of six targets. That's a very new look to the offense, so very productive from that standpoint as far as catching all their targets. Julius Thomas caught six of his eight targets. Devontae Parker caught five of his eight targets. Jarvis Landry caught six of his seven, and Kenny Stills caught three of his four. Anthony Fasano, two of two on target, so very high percentage passing game in this game that's what the Dolphins wanted to do they wanted to get back into that second and third manageable by running the ball for positive yardage they have just one negative running play on the day it's a loss of about a half a yard it goes down as a negative one yard run on the day the first play of the game for Damian Williams but after that they don't go any more negative runs something the JHI was very very guilty of doing throughout the course of the season running for negative yards so the Dolphins keep the sticks in manageable situations keeping the the change Less than 10 yards to go, less than 7 yards to go most of the times. And, and that's where the offense wants to be, is 3rd and 6 or less. Adam Gates intimated as much last week during his press conference. And the Dolphins did that, and they converted a lot of those 3rd downs as well. 5 out of 12 on the day. So the penalty is really the big deal for the offense. And if we go with the snap counts of the offense, the offensive linemen played the entire game. At least four of them did. Pouncey, Tunzel, Davis, and Bushrod all got 67 snaps. That was the entirety for the offense. While Sam Young came in for 16 snaps, relieving Jawan James, who saw just 51 snaps on the day before hurting his knee. Julius Thomas got 49 reps out of 73% at the tight end position. Anthony Fasano got 32 reps as half of them, 48%. And then the running back split went to Damian Williams had 30 reps for 45%, and Kenyon Drake had 37 for set for 55%. So a very even split there with the running backs. The receivers, Jarvis Landry, 66. Kenny Stills, 65. Devontae Parker, 54, getting worked back into the game. So Landry and Stills, both over 97%, and Devontae Parker, 81% on the day for the snap counts in this game. All right, guys, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. And of course, don't forget to check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your print needs. I wrote a piece today about the Dolphins game notes from the game on Sunday, kind of intimating some of the things that I saw a little bit more in depth than I can do on the podcast. So check that out. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And before we get into the defensive snap counts and some of the stats from the defensive side of the football, I want to look at some of the Dolphins' drive counts. I'd like to do that quite a bit. The Dolphins were very impressive in keeping the football in this game. Their first several drives went seven plays, ten plays, five plays with a fumble, eight plays, three and out, seven plays, three and out, four plays, three and out, seven plays, five plays. So they really bogged down in that second half, moving the ball so well in the first half. I think that new look offense and that new look, check it to the backs and kind of run the verticals and dump it off if it's not there. That really worked out for the Dolphins. And Jay Cutler utilized the running backs very well on the swing routes and getting them involved in the game that way too. So an 82-yard drive, a 49-yard drive, a 75-yard drive. So Dolphins were very efficient in this day, moving the football. Just those penalties once again, 10 of them, or 11 of them, I should say, really cost the Dolphins in this game. 
And if you swing it over to the defensive side of the ball, the Dolphins' running defense was once again on top of their, their game, allowing just 3.78 yards per rush. Of course, that Marshawn Lynch touchdown run was the big one that really put him over the top. But other than that, the Raiders really didn't get much going. That 22-yard run killed him. But from the passing standpoint, the Raiders killed the Dolphins in that sense too. Derek Carr threw 30 passes for 300 yards, so 10 yards per pass average there, not going to get it done for a defense. And if we look at the snap counts, the Dolphins did play four less snaps than the Raiders did on defense, 63 snaps for the Dolphins defense, and filling out all of those snaps, all 100% of those, Kiko Alonso, Rashad Jones, Xavier Howard, Lawrence Timmons, Cordray Tankersley missed two snaps in the game, didn't see that, but that's the number I have here, so 97% for him, and Tom Sue continues to play just about every single snap, 55 reps for him, 87%, Michael Thomas got 45 reps, 71%, so his backup, Marie Smith, the undrafted rookie, comes into the game for 18 snaps, looked pretty good in the game I thought for 30% of the snap count. Ray Maluga, the linebacker, plays 27 snaps for 43%. And then across that defensive line, Devon Godshaw plays 37 reps for 59%. Jordan Phillips plays 30 reps for 48%. So it looks like Godshaw has kind of cemented his spot as the second defensive tackle on the roster below in Donald Kinsu, even though it's very close to him and Jordan Phillips. But I think Godshaw has really earned his way, earned his way into that second role and being the first guy to kind of get that crack there. Andre Branch was back in this game, played 36, 36 reps for 57%. Cam Wake just had 33 reps on the day, 52%. Will Hayes plays 30 reps for 48%. And Charles Harris goes 28 reps for 44%. So the, the wealth was shared on the defensive side of the football. And a lot of guys got a lot of action on the defensive line and trying to create a bit of a pass rush on that Raiders offensive line that played pretty well in this game. Didn't really get it done, but from that standpoint, that's where the Dolphins were in this game. Let's go ahead and look at some of their stats from the entire season where they rank currently through the first eight games and through the first half of the season. The Dolphins offense... Actually made a bit of a jump in the passing offense, going up to 29th in the league at 192.6 yards per game, so they are no longer dead last in that stat. Nice to see that. As far as the running game goes, they are 30th in the NFL, 77.6 yards per game, so a far cry from what they were last year. And of course, that puts their scoring offense dead last in the National Football League at 14.5 points per game below the Cleveland Browns who are at 14.9. So the Dolphins offense just not getting the job done right now. On the defensive side of the football, the pass defense is right in the middle of the league at 14th in the league at 221.4 yards per game. The rush defense remains near the top of the league at 7th in the National Football League at 94 yards per game. And of course, scoring defense, the most important one. Again, right in the middle of the league at 22.4 points per game. And I know those stats say the Dolphins are a middle-of-the-road defense, but and they haven't played as well lately, but I think that you have to put a lot of credit into that number based on what the offense has done and their inability to sustain drives throughout the course of the season. The Dolphins' defense playing at a higher level than their stats would suggest on defense. I know there have been some breakdowns and miscommunications where Shaw Jones gets beat for that deep touchdown, and the Opposing offenses have a couple of big runs here and there, but for the most part, Dolphins defense has been very good this year, much better than any of us would have thought they would be, especially coming off of a couple of seasons where they were ranked near the bottom of the NFL in terms of points allowed per game. So Dolphins defense has been the big surprise of the team for the first half of the season, and of course the offense surprising for the bad reasons. So 17th ranked scoring defense and the 32nd ranked scoring offense. All right, guys, Locked On Dolphins podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you have not done so yet. It helps me out big time. Leave us a nice little rating review if you have a chance to do that. Also, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL and follow the show at Locked On Fins. We're going to talk about the midseason report and where this team looks going forward for this year as well as going into 2018. That will be what we talk about on the next segment here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. 
All right, Locked On Dolphins podcast here. Travis Wingfield, your host at Wingfield NFL. And just want kind of want to talk about where this team is right now going forward in the 2017 season, as well as where they could look at to 2018 for improvements and where they can get this team better and get this team back to you know being a consistent winner opposed to a team that just pops up every eight years and goes to the playoffs every two presidential terms. Not good enough for me, not good enough for you guys, not good enough for anyone that supports the Miami Dolphins organization. I think the first thing I want to start off with is Adam Gase has been a fantastic coach. He's changed the culture. He's been everything Miami has hoped he could be and more. But I think that one of his problems is the staff had a certain amount of input on the roster coming into the season. And where that bit them in a, in the biggest area was the offensive line. Of course, you guys all know about that. We may have found something in Jesse Davis at left guard. I want to see more out of him. But the right guard position in Jermon Bushrod, the loyalty that there has just been a nightmare. The complete lack of a backup plan at center. I think Ted Larson may have been some of that backup plan for Mike Pouncey. But Pouncey's healthier. I, I mean, I guess he's as healthy as you, you can, you know, consider him to be he's playing every game so far only had the one injury so far <laughs> knock on wood on that one but he's been a pretty much disaster there Laramie Tunzel have not quite got his feet under him I think that the 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 plan to kind of throw bodies at the left guard and right guard positions it just hasn't really worked out the way they hoped it would and obviously they played Anthony Steen for much of the season over Jesse Davis even though I think that Davis has played better than he has but the the you know the, the the organization has a very clear structure and I like the structure of the organization. The owner is willing to put out the resources to make a winning football team. They finally developed a working structure where they have you know Mike Tannenbaum's in charge of the free agents and kind of scouting the rest of the NFL and kind of run the day to day operations. Chris Greer is in charge of the draft and he has that whole crew. He's he's a, got a college scouting background, so a very good structure there. And they've had very good free agents in the last couple of years. They've had two really good draft classes the last couple of years. So. You know, I continue to see people compare this Dolphins team to the Browns or other organizations that have just been totally woeful, and it's absolutely freaking laughable. It's a disgrace. They've been mediocre. They've not been dreadful like a lot of other teams have been. So while 2017 hasn't been that much fun, you know, it just hasn't been a fun year despite the 4-4 four and four mark. I mean, 2016 was the most fun I've ever had as a fan. It beat out 2008, the, the, the wild 2008 ride that we had. But every year in between was pretty much meh. But I think that the Dolphins are on the right track. And that the reason I think that is because they do finally have a clear structure. They have a, a, a clear understanding of what the staff wants and the type of player they want. And they're kind of starting to fill that out a little bit. I mean, the JHI trade was a, a big shock to everybody and definitely for the way he ran last year. But you see these, these videos coming out on Twitter right now showing the way his gait is when he runs and kind of how his hips open up and his feet are kind of out of control. You can kind of see where some of that soreness from those knees and the reason he's only practicing once a week come from. So that might be a little bit uh, something to watch, not keep an eye on. And even though he had that big touchdown run that everyone's going crazy for, look, the fact is that you and I could have both ran through that hole. So it was you know nice for him to get those stats. I, I still like JJ as a player. I think he's a good player, but I, you just have to wonder how much longer he has with those knees and, and the way he kind of looks athletically at this point of his career. So getting off the rails here completely, but going back to the Dolphins staff and their structure and what I think this team could do going forward, you know, you get the quarterback back next year, you get Ryan Tannehill back. I think you make even just one move to the offensive line, like a center maybe, and you bring in, you know, Jesse Davis back at left guard and you get yourself a center in free agency. Then you go out and you draft like a Quentin Nelson to play right guard or left guard, wherever you want to put him at. All of a sudden, you've got the makings of a pretty good offensive line. You can maybe find some type of a tight end. You know, there's there's not a lot of holes in this team you have to really worry about. And you get a guy like Tony Lippett back who can come back and possibly challenge Xavier Howard, who's been worse than Cordray Tankersley somehow. I don't know how that happens, but it did. And that's where we are right now. But you have a lot of positions that don't need a lot of addressing at this point. I think that with the clear 
vision and the the culture development and you know what they have with guys like Jarvis Landry and these guys that really want to work hard and Ryan Tannehill being married to the hip to Adam Gaze I think you have a lot of reason for hope and while that may not play out on the field the rest of the season this season has just kind of been one of those weird ones and there's a lot of teams that this happens to I mean look at the Green Bay Packers I know this is a a, a not really parallel comparison, but they lose Aaron Rodgers and the entire organization falls apart. Do you think the Packers fans are going to start clamoring for, you know, Mike McCarthy to be fired or Ted Thompson to get waxed out of there? I mean, maybe Ted Thompson deserves to get, you know, some hot, uh, uh, get his seat a little warm because he's put together a, a pretty incompetent roster around Aaron Rodgers. And that's what can happen a lot of times where a quarterback can bail out a GM and a coach. But I've seen all this fire Adam Gay stuff, and it's absolutely mind blowing to me. I know it's off Facebook comments and people that you know don't really have their finger on the pulse of the team. When that's that's you know their prerogative to go ahead and do so, but it's just pretty crazy to see that they want this guy axed after a playoff run last year and a you know four and two start now four and four to this season, and they want to go back to this coaching wheel and get on this coaching wheel hamster where you're searching for a guy year in and year out, and they don't just make quality head coaches every offseason that pop up out of nowhere and become competent coaches that you know returns promise to a once proud organization that's what Adam Gaze is trying to do here and we've been through this ringer a million times of constant change and overhaul and turnover and rebuilding is at some point you have to commit to it and be in it all in on a guy that's why guys like the 49ers go out and they sign Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to six-year contracts to put that faith in those guys to build continuity and give it a fair shot because you don't really have in today's NFL, you don't have multiple years to get it done, but you really should because it takes that kind of time to rebuild a roster, and that's what the Dolphins are trying to do here. And I can just encourage you guys to be excited about the fact that the running game and and kind of Adam Gates can kind of get his offense going right now with the running backs he has and, and Jay Cutler's ability to throw the ball to the running backs and, and work in the receivers. And there was a high percentage passing game, and this defense continues to you know have its moments and there's bright spots that have popped up, whether it's Devon Godshaw, Lawrence Timmons coming over, Cordray Tankersley, and now we're going to see TJ McDonald coming back to the safety role. So there's a lot of good pieces. There's a lot of good things you can build around on this team. And I think that you should keep that mindset going forward and keep on building with the same type of philosophy and the same type of prototype these guys like to build you know they, they always talk about a player that fits the prototype and while you know, the, you know you have some guys in the roster like Jarvis Landry for instance does not fit the Dolphins prototype at all but he has that heart and desire and he's a fantastic player and he'll do those little things for you that you have to have to win on Sundays so they're willing to go outside of that you know that that parameter for a player that fits their prototype but they're also trying to fit a certain mold and the more you do that the more you can build that continuity the more you can have the same staff and the same mindset every single year it's only going to make you better in practice because eventually you're going to get it down you're going to get it right so be with the same staff be with the same coaching staff be with the same structure within the organization and commit to it and try to turn this team into winner because we all know what rebuilding and retooling and doing the whole thing over and blowing it up when has it ever worked it, i mean it doesn't work. I mean, look at a lot of these teams that are just continually struggling, like the Cleveland Browns or the New York Jets or the Chicago Bears, all these teams that have just, you know, had constant turnover at the quarterback and coach position and they just can't get it figured out. And now you have a team like the Rams that has come out of left field with Sean McVay and now Jared Goff. And that was kind of a long a long process in the building there with the defense kind of being built together. And then you get the quarterback and Jared Goff. And then, of course, Todd Gurley comes to town. You get the offensive coach. It just kind of was a perfect storm for that team. That's the kind of thing you can have happen with Adam Gaze, and he's definitely capable of being that guy. So just trust the process, hang in there. It's it's let's just put it this way: it's no matter what happens right now, it's going to be better than the alternative because the alternative is who knows. Because all you want, all you guys that want to have Adam Gaze fired, tell me who you want to hire because I don't think you have the knowledge to make that call and. Calling for someone's job without a replacement in place is just asinine, and it's completely 
uncalled for. And if you can't make a suggestion that's viable and, and put a good argument behind it, I really don't want to hear it anymore. So that's going to do it for today's show, guys. I'm going to get off my soapbox and get out of here and go to bed. It is late here on a Monday night for me on the West Coast. You guys are here the show on Tuesday morning, of course. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. I am going to write us a nice little Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams piece sometime this week. I'm not sure when it'll be out, but keep an eye out for that on LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.